Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. And welcome in, everybody, to our brand new time at 9 p.m. Eastern here on Wednesday night. It's a brand new episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. I'm Kelsey. Changing it up a little bit. I'm bringing the intro today because May the 4th be with you. It is a special holiday here at High Low Sports. We, uh, we respect the Star Wars community around here. And uh, as always, joined by my fellow co-host here, DJ. DJ, uh, this feels great. May the 4th be with you, man. It's a wonderful holiday. That should be a federal holiday. People should get time off for this because it's hard to watch online movies when you work nine to five. But you know what? That To each their own as well, too. Anyone who did take the day off, I commend you as well, too. It's a day where nerds and just fellow enjoyers of proper entertainment can all gather around and be friends. Absolutely. It's been it's fun, been a fun day. It's, you know, obviously sports is our thing, but, you know, we're still nerds at heart at the same time. I feel like we can't get into sports as much as we do and not be a little bit of a nerd. So it kind of works for us. We're so nerdy, though. We did actually start a poll today, DJ, and I, I, I know you are a big fan of this poll. Our, uh, what is your favorite color lightsaber, if you could have one? And the fans voted, and they actually went other. And it looks like we got a bunch of Mace Windu fans in the, in the crowd uh, because it actually ended up being other, and then it looks like purple is the popular choice for other colors as blue, red, and green were, were beaten out. It seems like they were very, very simple. I thought we'd see a lot more diverse ideas out there as well too i thought people would be a little more creative with us coming as how as is basically rainbow or the dark saber so i was hoping to see somebody break the rules a little bit or something like that as well too but they kept it pretty straightforward so you know what i commend it at least we didn't see a blue or blue or red at the top but you know for the others i was kind of i kind of wish mace windu wasn't the first leading can as great as his lightsaber is <laughs> i wanted to see a little bit i wanted to see someone throw out something a little more dramatic i want to see someone dip deep into lore deep into their own into their own brains for that one all right, well, okay, so you said it already, dig deep into lore. DJ, you know I'm going to have to ask you then, since you you wanted somebody to dig deep into lore, what is your desired lightsaber? Well, I said dig deep into lore or your own imagination. I took a dip into my own imagination on this one as well, too. So we're going with orange, but we're not going bright orange, like not that Miami Dolphin alternate orange. But we're not going burnt orange like Longhorns. So we're not hooking anybody. We're going with a little bit of an in-between kind of, if you looked at the Browns Twitter, they posted the thing with the Mandalorian with Browns colors, but it has like a nice shiny tint to it. 
So you're looking at that type of orange as well, too. Go check their Twitter page so you can see the type of orange I'm talking about on the Mandalorian's helmet. And then you got to give it the Dooku curved hilt on top of it as well, too. The lightsaber hilt that allows you to go with elegance, strength, and angle prosperity as well, too. So you know what? Trust the angle of the dangles. So I like to see that lightsaber. That is my, if I could create one, that's what we'd go with. You know, I respect that. That is uh, that is very deep in the imagination there. Um, mine is, I don't know. I guess maybe it's sort of deep in the imagination. I've always been a big fan of the yellow lightsabers that the Jedi Temple Council has. Uh, oh, it's always, yeah, it's it's really cool. Just the yellow, it kind of looks goldish and, and when they're spinning it properly. You know, all that go- all that's gold is, you know, all that glitters is gold. I don't, you know, that whole fascination with, with a gold color, but that's always one of my favorites. Obviously, I'm a big dark saber fan, but like we're going Jedi here, so I can't exactly go the antithesis of Jedi. Like the opposite the of a Jedi. Our top ten NBA players all time had eleven. You don't follow the rules when it comes to this thing. Yeah, but like if I had seen if I had seen a a Jedi wield the dark saber, I could honestly be like, oh yeah, one hundred one hundred percent want a dark saber. Um, have yet to see it really legitimately. Uh, the Inquisitor's hilt, though. I mean, honestly, the Inquisitor's hilt is so dope. I want to put that with the yellow lightsaber blade i think that would just be sick just to have the the spinning doom of of gold coming at you that'd be really interesting would you have to call yourself the gold rush then i i mean something i don't know like i i feel like i'd be like the black power ranger from uh when they changed to neo where he had the uh the staff where he was all black and gold i feel like i'd, I'd be like that equivalent but a jedi okay you know what that, that sounds like that'd be kind of fun as well too i mean it definitely your credentials would be in the hilt at that point as well, too. You'd be able to spin that thing. So, you know what? Why, that, that's not a bad idea. Let's uh, science make this happen as well, too. But, you know, like <laughs> maybe put some regulation on. Don't let just anybody buy a lightsaber. Now, I don't think we need people running around with laser swords as well, too. So well, you put a regulation on it, but make sure I can still get one. Absolutely. All right. Well, that gets let's get, we're, we're done with the nerdy fun fun for now. For now. Uh, it's, it might come back a little bit later. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. But DJ, we obviously just had the NFL draft, and that's going to lead us into, well, my third favorite subject here, the tip-off brought to you by Dr. Squatch Soap Company. And DJ, I want to get your, your opinion here on on what happened in the NFL draft. We had some winners. We had some losers. Uh, just first, run us through run us through everything before we get your winners and losers. So run us through everything. So basically, my well, okay, run us, run us through was, what, you, what you thought was interesting. What the heck? That is pretty much what I thought <laughs> about the entire draft. The entire, it felt like it made no sense. So many trades, so many interesting picks, so many, so many guys dropped some random ones meteorically skyrocketed to the top. Other guys dramatically fell like Gandalf at the end of the first Lord of the Rings all the way down the pit. It was in quite the unique draft, I guess I could say. We've I've watched these for many, many years. We did last year's. We did this year's. And 
This one, though, this one stands out definitely. So I'm really curious to see if this becomes a trend or if this was a one-off. Next year's draft will get a really good tell. It's supposed to be, as of right now, 362 days beforehand, it's supposed to be a deeper, more top-heavy draft as well, draft as well, to deeper with blue chip type of guys. So we'll see if it carries over. But this one really kind of stood out to me. It was like that tweener year between. the co- From the COVID year, a lot of those blue chip guys left last year that sat out like the Jamar Chase, the Micah Parsons, the Penae Sewells. Rashawn Slater's, et cetera. And then the ones that stayed were the ones that weren't quite the blue chip guys that stayed through that had the option to leave too. So that's why I'm really curious to see how it plays out as well too. So there was a lot of good players, but man, oh man, did anyone who picked any of this, who got this entire first round, right? Kudos to you. Cause I don't think it's possible. I think you're better off getting a March madness bracket at this point. I, I mean, look, this is, let's be completely honest. If you pick Cole strange to be drafted in the first round, um, you're, I, 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 you're buying me a lotto ticket right now. I think, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is wild. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks and there was a lot of interesting movement there. Uh, a lot of people that didn't go when you thought they would go Malik Willis being number one there. But, um, and then on top of that, like Nicobe Dean, I, I mean, is, is he that undersized that he should slip that far? I mean, or did, did we just set up a, this is, this is how you get, you know, the, uh, the evil world leader story arc is this his origin story and like he comes in with a chip on his shoulder and destroys everybody like what did we just see with nicobe dean i think we saw the same thing that we saw with jok last year is an incredible prospect with mild size concerns and then a injury concern whether it's mild or not suddenly just plummets them for no for some dramatic reason whatsoever like there's rumors of him having a torn pec that he might have to get surgery on they act like he had his pet completely cut off at this point as well too and he's running around missing half of his chest to let him drop to the fourth round like that second round I can see the slip. I mentioned it while we did our mock draft. I thought it'd be either him or Devin Lloyd. One of them might slip just because linebackers were deep this year, off ball ones. And it's not the premium need like a, like an edge rusher or a corner or something like that as well too. So there's a chance to slip, but my goodness, fourth round, like every single team in the NFL pass on him at least twice, which is absolutely insane to me as well too. So, you know what? Um, Good for good for good for uh, anybody who uh, good for the Eagles as well too. I'll just leave it at that as well too. And I'm sorry to the NFC East as they will have to deal with that now as well too. Especially now these guys, I'm not even say running mate, but his his wall in front of him in Jordan Davis again. Yeah, and and you know it's it's funny you mentioned both of those guys. Uh, part of the 15 players drafted by UGA or from UGA here, setting an absolute record for players drafted in in a draft a modern record. And I mean. Wow. Uh, it, it's a well-deserved for most of these players. I mean, I, let's be completely honest, but when you're looking at the people who are drafted, there's even a backup linebacker that was drafted for, for, for Georgia. Like that's how deep this team was. So it was very I interesting don't think to see, see anything like this again, considering with the players that stayed behind and that sort of thing as well. So I don't think we'll see anything quite like that again as well, too, just considering it was the entire, pretty much the entire defense minus Nolan Smith was drafted honestly as well too. And he would have got drafted if he came out, he might've been a first round caliber player. So, He'll probably be a first rounder next year. So we'll see how that plays out. But I don't think we're going to see anything like this again for a while where one team has so many players drafted. It's just they all came out at once. That is what is so crazy about it. Like he lost one or two pretty good players last year, but they got replaced by first rounders this year on top of it. It'll be hard for us to see so many players get drafted in the same draft class again. I just can't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, I know. Absolutely wild. But that'll take us, DJ, to our winners and losers. I, I think I think we, we talked about the other stuff in the draft for enough, but – these winners and losers, DJ. I want to start with you. Who are your two winners from this draft? We're going to go with two of everybody's favorite teams so far, but I'm going to go and start things off with one of the better drafting teams since they came into existence, and the Baltimore Ravens, they did it again. That is all that needs to be said. Pick number 14, 
They got a player that, in my opinion, was a 12th rated prospect. Some people had him as a top five prospect. Some people had him dropping even farther. Some people had him. He, this was the ultimate best player available in a in a perfect fit on top of that is Kyle Hamilton. They already had Marcus Williams. They brought in a safety. You have Marcus Peters. You've got Marlon Humphrey. Like You got a defensive back squad. Now you add Kyle Hamilton to the mix. You can make a case they have the best starting secondary in the NFL now. Kyle Hamilton, you could roll him in the box. Marcus Williams is used to playing that two-eye safety look. So any concerns about Kyle Hamilton's speed and athletic ability, don't worry about it. You can play him like Cam Chancellor if you want to. Put him in that robber cover one zone, that sort of thing. Put him down on tight ends in the box. You elim- eliminate any questions with that. And if he shows that he can play in that two-eye safety look and be a deep safety or roll down Marcus Williams and move him back, well, you got a 6'4", 220-pound man with range with those man-to-man lockdown corners. And, you know, a pretty good front seven as well on top of that as well. So you got the perfect player for the perfect defense at a premium pick as well. I think he could have gone top five, top seven. Honestly, like some people had him rated as a top four or five prospect. I had him about 10, 11, which was considered blasphemous by some. If you compare him to Derwin James, that's when it's like, okay, hold on, reel it in a little bit, like chill with that. Yeah. But you compare him to a lot of the other safeties that come out besides him, besides Derwin James and Jamal Adams. He's arguably one of the best safety prospects we've seen in the last handful of years. Last year, he's better than Trayvon Merrick, who we both had a high grade on. We both He's better than Javon Holland, who was fantastic. As a prospect, we don't know how to play in the NFL yet. Better than Malik Cooker. You can go back. He's incredible safety prospect to the right team and a, a very good value pick on top of that. So the Ravens do what they do. But you know what? They couldn't be. They weren't done there. No, no. They decided to double dip in the first round after the trading Hollywood Brown and getting the second best... That's the best center in the draft at Tyler Lindenbaum at pick number 25. A guy who we both had in the top 10 of our big boards, a guy that could have easily went in the top 10 himself if he wasn't a center, really. And if he was slightly less undersized, this be slightly under 300 pounds. Oh, no. As a center. Oh, no. How terrible. <laughs> uh, Hall of Fame centers have been a lot of them are under 300 pounds, but uh, whatever, right? I mean, you could just go down the list, but hey, you steal a center to a run blocking specialist in, well, what do the Ravens do as well as anybody? Run the ball when they're healthy. So Lamar, JK, who, who excels at zone blocking, by the way, and that's so they're going to enjoy that. They're going to enjoy the heck out of that pick as well. Then in the second round, you get a first round talent in David Ojabu coming off that injury. But once he gets healthy, you're pairing him with Dafe Owe on the edges. Good luck getting outside the pocket, Joe Burrow and uh, Deshaun Watson in that division, and Kenny Pickett now as well too. Good luck uh, evading guys. That's that's quite the speed and athleticism on the edges to go with that secondary. Round three, you get Travis Jones a. First, second round, like early, somewhere in the top 50 caliber players, Travis Jones for a defensive lineman, adding depth, really good player. Oh, and in round four, you get who, in my opinion, was the top tight end of the draft, or at least one of the top couple prospects in Charlie Kolar, to pair with Mark Andrews, a guy who is on pace to be a top two or three tight end drafted. He lacks athletic ability, but he's a bit, he can run seven yards and turn around the Jason Witten special while Mark Andrews is getting triple teamed over the middle. The Ravens, when Lamar won MVP, what did they do better than everyone? two to three tight end sets with Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurston squad. Now they can do that again as well, too. So give me the Ravens as a winner. They also added Isaiah Likely for good measure as well, too, just to add to that tight end group. So To add some explosions to that tight end group. The Ravens knocked it out of the park once again, and they built in a way that benefits their team as well, too. So give me the Ravens for the first winner. Yeah, no, I love that. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton, big fan of Kyle Hamilton. I thought he should have gone top 10 easy. Um, Obviously, he slipped in the draft. The, the way this draft went, it makes sense that he slipped in this draft. Obviously, nobody could plan for all the stuff that happened for Kyle Hampton to slide. Uh, but he's an all-world talent. And they got a second all-world talent in Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, I mean, how do you how do you let somebody like the Baltimore Ravens, who literally just because of injuries last season, wasn't as strong as they have been in the past? 
because of injuries. And now you're getting a fully healthy Baltimore Ravens team and you're bringing in all these young studs to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. The Baltimore Ravens should be a winner here. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. And my next winner I had, well, we're going to go to one of their rivals the last couple of years, arguably, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs as well, too. Once again, the rich continue to get richer, but Kansas City did in a way that was very, very unique to them. They didn't load up on offense. They traded Tyreek Hill. Like, they, was ta- they brought in Juju. It's like, oh, well, they'll go get one of these amazing receivers, the ones that all went in, like, four back-to-back, four of the top, top 12 picks or something like that. The receiver run happened instantly. So Kansas City, true to form, did not panic. They traded up, but they didn't trade up for a receiver. They traded up and got cornerback Trent McDuffie out of Washington, a, probably one of the more versatile corners he could play in the nickel. I think if they put him at safety, He's going to be a multiple-time Pro Bowler, a la Devin McCourty, Tyron Matthews, where you can roll him down to cover slots and tight ends. He loves to hit people, especially for a smaller guy. He sticks his nose in there. He could play all over the place. Love the Trent McDuffie pick. Your second first-rounder, we got who we both agreed was the ultimate Ravens pick, who we could have saw going number 14, but they got him at 30 in George Karloffis. Not flashy, not pretty, not elegant, just productive as it can be on the front line to go along with Chris Jones as well, too to get after the quarterback. So you bolstered your secondary, you bolstered your pass rush. And then in day two, you didn't panic. You got that receiver and you didn't just get any receiver. You got the underratedly thick Sky Moore who can play. Probably most people play in the slot type of role as well too, as like a Z or a Z type of receiver to complement Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So you got one of the top two or three day two receivers, I think we'd say as well too, a guy who could have went day one very oh, yeah. easily and he probably could, should have in a lot of our drafts. Then you also added Brian Cook, Leo Chanel in the round in round three, and linebacker who you got a really, really good value for. Oh, and you also added Darian Kennard in round five to bolster your offensive line. So Kansas City knocked it out of the park. And I think while they won't be the backyard BS specialty they were last year, the last few years where it's just Patrick Mahomes slinging everywhere, I think Kansas City is going to be more balanced, but still as dangerous as ever. So the AFC, uh, they, they don't count them out yet. Kansas City is still, still a contender at the top, but I think they're going to do it in a more methodical way that makes sense next year, which could make them more dangerous. Yeah, look, Kansas City, I mean, we've always wondered, can can uh, Patty take this team under a normal offense and, and, and succeed? And we're going to find out real fast if if this team can, can figure it out. Uh, but they do have all this, all the, all the, all the talent now to be that team that does it from a very safe set. So uh, it's very interesting to see. Obviously, love both picks as, as your winners. I'm going to jump over to my winners before we head to your losers real fast. And I'm going to start with a team that almost hosted the Super Bowl. Not really even almost. They didn't even make the playoffs. They did, they were tied shy of making it in the playoffs. And that is the LA Chargers, who yet again have another fantastic draft. I don't I, – like, how? How does Back the Chargers keep just dominating draft picks like and getting everybody they need? You pick up Zion Johnson, who, in my opinion, was the number one inside offensive lineman in this draft. You get JT Woods, the safety out of Baylor. I mean, what a stud he is as well. He's able to track. He's able to, to play free safety, really, and just play center field and, and catch everything. Isaiah Spiller slides right into this zone-blocking team and will just have himself a day uh, if you give him the opportunity. And that's with him coming off and then spelling Austin Eckler. So you have Austin Eckler, then you have Isaiah Spiller. Both guys are going to juke you, juke your socks off and leave you, leave you left for dust. And let's not forget, Eckler can also run you over if you're not careful. Um, one pick I didn't really, wasn't really a fan of, Bonnier, the defensive tackle out of UCLA. He's a good player. I just thought it was a little early. Uh, but that's the only one I can look at and be like, wow, that was not a great pick. But I look at the Jamari Salyer pick in that that later rounds, and we're talking about a guy I have as the number three inside offensive lineman. 
and you're going to tell me he can you're he's t- technically listed as a tackle uh, when they drafted him but he's he's going to play he can play everywhere on the line this man is going to slide next to insert player here on this Chargers offensive line and Zion Johnson is going to slide into this offensive line and you're just going to be looking at this this team and be like how do you have three offensive linemen still on their rookie contracts 3 years from now while Justin Herbert just getting signed to his his contract at that point in time and you're going to be like oh yeah they're just dominating in the west with the along with the chiefs like that's just man the chargers mm-hmm. having themselves a ball doesn't matter where you put sire you could put him ne- next to Zion Johnson to on the bright side, so you have a right guard and right tackle. You put him next to Rashawn Slater at left guard. Either way, you are set. Your run game's going to benefit. Herbert's going to benefit. You upgraded the defense. Chargers knocked it out of the park yet again, and they, on paper right now, they look like one of the clear favorites out of the AFC. Granted, it's not played on paper, but they right now it looks as good as it gets for them as well, too. And they didn't really lose anybody major while adding Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson on the team to go with it. That. So, my goodness, the Chargers. And, they and did re-signing it. everybody, and that's the big thing, re-signing everybody, too. Pretty much, they did it again. That's that's that'll summarize them at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, you got, you got to be honest. A meteoric rise for the Chargers team over the last two seasons. Um, it looks completely different from where it did two years ago. We said they needed to have two good drafts. Well, how about two home runs of a draft? That uh, sounds pretty good. But that'll take me to my second winner, who somehow yet again has a knockout draft, and that's those New York Jets. How do? Again, okay, a team that I'm just sitting here looking at like, wow, you have so many things that you need to fill. What do you do? Okay, well, I'm going to start with having your two top 10 picks. How's that sound? Okay, well, I'm going to get a Mod Gardner. I'm going to get Garrett Wilson. Fantastic picks, first of all. Sauce is going to just absolutely play into Robert Salah's hands. Garrett Wilson is going to give Zach, Zach Wilson something to throw to as well. Just a dynamic guy who just gets open. I mean, he's going to be a very, very friendly target there. For Zach Wilson, but they weren't done. No, no, no. We're going to trade back into the first round and get a defensive end edge rusher who's just chilling there, doing a whole lot of nothing for a whole lot of nothing in, in, in value as well. And we're going to go get Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State. Absolutely fantastic pickup there in the first round. You get three top 20 players with your first three picks, and then you go and pick Brees Hall with number 36. So before the 40th pick where they had one fourth of the total or they had a one tenth of the total picks at 40, the New York jets add three players that are inside of my top 30 for talent wise, or sorry, add four players inside of their top inside of, inside of the top 30 for my, for, for my big board. They absolutely monopolized monopolized 10% of the picks and they hit on every single one of them. It's absolutely incredible. And, Remember when we were doing our preview, I said the Jets will trade for Debo Samuel. They'll draft Icky Okongwu and they'll go to the playoffs. That was my, I'm steadfast on this. They will make it happen and it will happen. Well, they didn't do that, but they might have a chance to make a run at the playoffs of what they did. Like if they couldn't do that, they did arguably the next best thing they could have done as well too. And they, uh, they knocked it out. They, this is the true winner of the draft. You had to pick one. I feel like you put the Jets at the top with what they did. It doesn't, we'll see if it matters next year, but this is the one you put at the top with what you needed going in. Yeah, and on top of that, you add in Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end from Ohio State, who is a very underrated tight end in my eyes, uh, and Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle from Louisiana, late in the in the draft, third and fourth rounds here, and Michael Clemens, who might be the better pro out of the two Texas A and M defensive linemen coming out this year. That you look at, and like, huh, maybe maybe there's something there. 
obviously Clemens is a little bit more reach, but the other two solid picks late third and fourth rounders. I mean, like that's, that's probably a head. Like you, you definitely got to steal right there in those picks. So definitely plus value in that situation. And I mean, the jets, I just, I can't get over it. Robert Salas is coming in. Absolutely fantastic drafts as well. So the chargers, the jets, obviously they're still young. They still have to, again, it's not played on paper. DJ, you said it right. Exactly. But on paper, it looks really dang good. Two teams that didn't make the playoffs next year. But, you know, I could see some people putting them in the playoffs next year as well, too. We're going to find out how good Zach Wilson is next year. For, that is for sure. And we're going to see a lot of Justin Herbert, I think, next year as well, too. Pencil is a potential early MVP favorite as well, too. If you're a betting guy, maybe take a look at some of those odds, see how they shift, because he was close last year, and that was with the worst run defense ever. So now that you got some, now that you got some ballers and a new offensive line, that might be DJ's best bets way too early here in May if you want to make an early bet. Let's see what the odds are on Justin Herbert for MVP next year. DJ's best long long term bets. We'll go, we'll go that one. If he wins it next year, we're gonna play this clip at the start of every single show for the next year if he pulls it off. Because I am gonna win somebody a lot of money if they listen to that. I'm not saying I'm doing it. I'm just saying keep it in mind. Go check out the odds because he might be in like that minus three thousand ish or so range right now. And the last few MVPs, they haven't exactly been the favorites going into the season as well. Too. I'll throw ten dollars. Yeah, if they <laughs> like for that, I'll throw ten dollars at it on him. Yeah, why not at this point? So once again, the Jets and the Chargers absolutely crushing it. Yeah, absolutely. So, DJ, we're going to flip the script here. We're going to go to losers. I know you have a lot to say about some of your losers. So I'm going to go first on the losers. So that way we can we can talk about your losers a little bit longer because there is one I know we, we both want to kind of hone in on here. Plot twist is I didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about losers, but you know what? I'm sure you want to talk about one of them, so you still go first. We'll go. We'll keep it wrong. All right. So first one is first. I'm, we mentioned him in the lead-up, Cole Strange. The Patriots, losers, what are you doing? Stop trying to be smarter than everybody. Your whole draft. Really questionable, except for Bailey Zappi. That's the only pick I can literally look at in their entire draft, and I'm just like, all right, that makes sense. Like, why are you going Tyquan Thornton that early when you could have got him later? Why are you going Marcus Jones that early when you could have got him later? Jack Jones is a plus value pick, but not great. Pierre Strong, you probably could have got him in the sixth round or the seventh round. Um, Everybody else below that, I mean, honestly, you probably could have picked him up in free agency. Like, I'm just like, nobody – the Patriots board is just very intriguing for me that I just feel like they just pick guys that are guys that maybe they can mold, mold them into something like fit them into an exact role and turn them into something special. Like what Bill Belichick always does. But I also feel like a lot of them were stretches for or where they got picked at. It was just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the, the Patriots were thinking this year. This one did not seem like a normal Patriots draft. This screen, we want to trade back a lot and just get a lot of players, but no one would trade with us where we needed to. So we're stuck taking the guys earlier than we want. So like, I it just felt like a reach across the board. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was a very strange draft, no pun intended. But yeah. once they're in the playoffs, I'm like, wow, Bill did it again. So well, I'll let it play out. But I agree with you right now. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it, it means something when, when you know, uh, Sean McVay comes out and says, oh, wow, Cole Strange, he's off the board already? I thought he was going to be there at 109 or whatever they pick. Like, hmm. that tells you all you need to know about that. Exactly. Uh, about the about the Patriots draft. But my other loser, I'm going to head to the Arizona Cardinals. And this one is, yeah, yeah, yes, you got Hollywood Brown, but you traded out of the first round. And uh, yeah, like not great. And then on top of that, you go, you get another tight end to Trey McBride. You already have Zach Ertz and Mac Williams coming, Max Williams coming back. So where is he going to fit in? Uh, Cameron Thomas, the defensive end out of San Diego State. I, eh, like, Will he turn out to be well? I don't know. Uh, big fan of MyJ Sanders at 100 in, in round three. Not a bad pick. I think that's that probably 
Uh, a little bit early for him, but not bad. And then you go another running back from USC, whatever. Uh, Smith, the guard for Virginia Tech, probably way too early for him as well. Uh, probably the only good pick I like is round seven in Jesse Lukita as well. Uh, obviously a big fan of Jesse Lukita, but yeah, I mean, all these guys, again, the Cardinals picking guys that I'm just like, you could have uh, picked them up in free agency while there's better talent sitting right there. Surprised they didn't really do much to bolster the offensive line either, especially with Kyler wanting to get paid. You think, all right, well, if we're going to pay him, we're going to protect him. They didn't do as much to help him as I would have liked as well, too. The Hollywood Brown trade's intriguing. We also pay Hollywood yeah. Brown coming up zone too. So I'm intrigued what the grand master plan is to see how it plays out. Maybe it means they're going to trade Kyler Murray next offseason. Who knows at this point? But I'm intrigued what the Cardinals' long game is. Yeah, no, it's – well, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned they, they got they got Marquise and Kyler Murray and, and looking for an offensive line. They did sign. They did draft a former teammate of both of those guys at Oklahoma, in Marquise Hayes, the guard out of Oklahoma, for at number two forty four in round seven. So, I mean, we'll see if he can turn himself into anything. But I, yeah, round seven picks don't normally start day one and turn into an all pro. So, yeah, yeah. not really uh, banking on that one necessarily. <laughs> but we, we'll see. Now we could be wrong. Maybe they flip the script yet again. But I am. I agree with you. It was a very odd draft for the Cardinals. Yeah, definitely. So that's those are my two losers. I just want to get them out of the way now. All right. Well, because we're talking losers, I don't want to give them too much time. So I'm going to get them out of the way first. I'm going to start with the one who kicked us off. Yeah, kicked off the entire draft. I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars as my first loser. It's not that they had a bad draft. It's that it didn't make any sense to me. Trayvon Walker, edge number, the first overall pick, a guy that has a career of nine sacks while <laughs> playing in Georgia, where you're not double teamed. You got Jordan Davis. You got Devontae White. You got Nolan Smith. You got Trayvon. Excuse me. You got... Quay Walker, Nicobe Dean, Tyndall. Like, that's just guys that that's just the front seven that I named as well, too. That's not including everybody else. Like, that's the front seven you, seniors. Yeah. And Nolan <laughs> Smith, who I included in there, too. But yeah, like, they that front seven, they was absolutely insane. You grabbed the most, ta- arguably most talented, but arguably least productive one at number one overall when your team is a complete train wreck, when you need to try and help Sunshine out a little bit after not only did he have a rough rookie year, but it was so bad in the coach, everything was so bad with Urban Meyer, it arguably set him back a year. So you got to basically try and double up for lost time. I loved, like Doug Peterson's a hire to help with that, but the player-wise, I didn't really like that move there. Trading back into the first round for Devin Lloyd, like that pick, no problems. Luke Fortner, pretty good center in round three, not too bad. Chad Mumba, the linebacker from Wyoming, in round three, a pretty good pick. Snoop Connors, cool, but you drafted a running back last year. You still have Robinson. That, interesting. Then you grabbed a couple of corners that I – it just doesn't fully make sense with what you have and what you're trying to build. I'm not really sure what the overall plan is. That's what kind of confuses me with them. Like, you, you missed the buck and it started right off the gate. You can't take Trayvon Walker number one overall. If he turns into a 15 sack season guy, I'll rest, I'll rest my case and apologize. But I don't, I just don't see it. It seems like at best case scenario, you get Jadavian Clowney, is what I'm feeling right now as well, too. Yeah. I got Jermaine Johnson, who's left because of Trey, could he, he couldn't get playing time at Georgia, had more sacks just last year with no talent around him than Trayvon Walker in his whole career. That's yeah. pretty much all you really need to know at that point as well, too. And it's not a shot, Trayvon Walker. First round pick, deserved it. Number one overall one number one overall. I was like, Jacksonville, you're putting a lot on your coaching staff to turn that guy into an all-pro, basically. You're putting a lot of pressure on them as opposed to like, hey, Evan Neal, go keep people off sunshine. Just be go be big. Hey, Akema Kongu, just go eat people so Josh Robbins can rumble forward and set up play action. Just a lot of a lot of interesting, interesting ideas they have there. This is this feels like, okay, we're going to get Sunshine hit one more season, then we'll build around him. That's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. It, it, honestly, it's if, if you had flipped their picks, flipped their first-round picks, and Trayvon Walker went 
where they traded back in and, and Devin Lloyd went with number one overall, you're probably like, you know what? You guys aren't losers for this pick. But yeah, I, you know what I, you do, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely a little bit more acceptable in my eyes, taking Devin Lloyd one and Tavon Walker in the twenties. Like that just it's obviously Devin Lloyd probably doesn't deserve to go one yet either, but <laughs> Tavon Walker was a stretch. He needs, he needs so much next to him to work. Um, and he needs coaching. Whereas like Evan Neal was just sitting there and just protect sunshine. It just makes sense. It's like last year when the Raiders took Alex Leatherwood. What are you doing? Then round two, they get Trayvon Merrick. It's like, well, okay, that that's cool too. If you just flipped him, we'd have been more happy. But considering the, it's kind of the same thing with these ones as well. So Jacksonville, we'll see. But the last one, the one you want to talk about the most, the other loser for me is the Dallas Cowboys. And I know Jerry Jones made a big old spectacle trying to show off like their, their draft board and all that sort of thing as well too. You need offensive linemen and you go get Tyler Smith, who's pretty good, but not great, a second round value. Sam Williams and Edge with off the field troubles, which is kind of right up the Cowboys alleyway. So that might actually end up being a great pick. All of Randy, Randy Gregor. We'll see how that goes. Jalen Tolbert, pretty good receiver. Don't hate that pick. The rest of these guys, though, I'm Damon Clark out of LSU. I mean, you just did that with Jabril, Jabril Cox last year, and you still won't put him on the field. I don't, their draft just doesn't make sense to me either. You put all that money in Dak Prescott, and you get Tyler Smith, who, Maybe I'm wrong, but I just I don't see it when you could have got other players as well, too, considering where you were. So I, I am curious. As, it does look like we have a comment that says the Jags might be better than the Cowboys this year, and that is definitely something to see. You definitely didn't do any favors with trying to replace Amari Cooper. You need to get Zeke going again, which means you can't let him get touched for about three yards because when he's at his best, he could get you three yards, then use his physical running style to get you an extra three, so he'd average like five and a half to six. So I think they didn't do enough to help with that. Maybe Tyler Smith plays guard, and they just have a dominant interior. We'll see what with next to Zach Martin and maybe Tyler Smith could just be huge, but I don't really like the Cowboys draft. There wasn't, I think they had the worst draft in their own division, especially as well too. So I did, I did not oh, like yeah. the Cowboys yeah. did. They, 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 it's the NFC East, so they might still be fine, but I, I did not, I did not like what they did on draft day. I think they could have each single pick. I think they could have gone in a different direction and been better off. It looked like a team who had their GM show off their draft board for all the world to see before the draft. That's what it looked like. It looked like a team who had every single one of their picks taken, and they're all, all of a sudden scrambling for in five minutes to try to pick a, make a pick. And yet they still stretched on every single pick. And and James is exactly right here. They could have got Tyler Smith in second. They could have got Tyler Smith probably in the third round as well. I mean, there were so many better picks. Like, or, or, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, right there. Just, just take Travis Frederick Jr. and be okay with it. That would have I mean, been acceptable. Bernard but, Ryman was chilling there as well, too. You could have got him round two or three, like who I think would have been a better prospect than Tyler Smith personally. I mean, like there, yeah, it was Gadecki was there. I mean, Gadecki is Ryman's teammate. Like, I'd, you could have traded up like two or three spots with all the movement going on if there was a guy you wanted, but I, I don't know. Or you could trade it back and got Tyler Smith and Ryman as well, too. Like, I just, it didn't make sense for what their biggest needs are. I could be wrong. Maybe Sam Williams, if he gets down the field, he might end up being a steal around two, all of what Randy Gregory is. But there's a lot of questions there, and there were some high-rated edges still on the board at that point too, without the extra baggage, if you will. Yeah, no, that's the biggest thing. Like it, and and when you're coming into this, you also have to consider what are you going to do with Micah Parsons because you you have you only fit eleven men on the field, and Micah Parsons kind of technically is that unclassified position guy, so he technically slides into edge slides into a linebacker role like he's a linebacker edge combo nickel star hybrid like whatever you want to call him and and 
it's yeah, it's it's rough. And and again, James with some some heat coming in here. Sam Williams, Cowboys must didn't watch this film because he cannot get off blocks. And yeah, uh, yeah, yes, and more yes. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, you know, it's I I don't I don't understand their draft uh, at all as a Cowboys person. As like, you didn't even take what you needed. And if you did take a position group that you needed, you took one that you already have like four guys at, like it just didn't make sense and it doesn't make sense. And I don't think it will ever make sense. Not at all. Steven Jones needs to already go. Not at all. And I almost forgot to mention too. I want to go back out. Cause we don't want to end this talk about the Cowboys and losers before we get into the next segment. So I'm going to go back to one of my winners real quick at the chiefs. I also forgot to mention they signed Justin Ross as an undrafted free agent as well too. And if medical's clear for him, like he's able to play and be at least 85% of what he was in 2018, 2019 or so. They got an absolute steal because that guy could have been a first, second round pick. He had a miserable 40, and those medical concerns are kind of terrifying. But considering what the Chiefs got him for, you can't ask for a better situation. So the Chiefs potentially knocking out the park even more after the draft with their draft class. So wanted to end that one on a positive note, and great for Justin Ross. That's a great situation to go into as well, too, where the expectations aren't really that high, and you got Patrick Mahomes slinging in the ball and Andy Reid yeah. coaching things up for you. And they could find a way to use him, even if it's just in the red zone, to just go be giant, his giant six foot four self to get acclimated. So, absolutely fantastic for the Chiefs. Once again, yeah, they, there's the Jets number one. The Chiefs might be number two right behind them overall if we were to match everybody together. So, that would, and Leo Chanel at 103 was insane on top of that. So, in my opinion, Jets and Chiefs were the top two ones that knocked it out this year. So, but no more talk about the Cowboys, no talk about losers. We've covered all of that as well, too. We're well, maybe some more talk about losers, just, just some different we're losers. Gonna, well, we're going to get to a different type of losers. We're going to act losers on the court now as well, too, as well as some winners as we move on to our main event. The main event brought to you, of course, by ColorCast Premier Audio Sports Listening App. Go ahead and download it on your Apple device. Give it, check it out as well, too. And Kelsey, we've been a little bit behind because we've been talking a lot about the journey to the draft, but it's playoff time in the NBA, and we're in round two now, and we've had an inc- quite a wild first round and some pretty heated second-round matchups as well, too, so... Figure we'll start things off in round one. Uh, Kelsey, the Nets, the New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, however you want to call them. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, two weeks ago called the most skilled duo of all time. Couldn't get one game over the Boston Celtics, getting swept. If I'm not mistaken, they were the only team that was swept in the first in that first round as well, too. Kind of a, a bit shocking as well. Even Trey Young managed to steal one from the Heat. What do you what what does this mean for the Nets? You know, what is what when you see this, what does this mean moving forward as well? I, you know, we kind of had this conversation a little bit. Uh, we, we, we've touched on it a couple times. Um, this whole idea that you don't need a coach. I mm-hmm. think you can finally you can finally put that to bed, Kyrie. You do need a coach uh, because you need a coach in these clutch moments, these game time moments where you need to call a timeout instead of trying to take on three double teams. I mean, three different double teams at the same, on the same play and then dish it off to yeah sure he's a world-class player in kd but you give him 0.7 seconds to get a ball and get a good shot off with a man in his face that's not how this is going to work that's that's not going to be a successful plan of action when you when you're in the middle of crunch time like and that's something that coaching comes into play um and i think this is a part where at the end of the day i love steve nash love him to death maybe took this job a little too soon like this caliber of a job too soon. He probably deserved a job somewhere closer to Washington than New Jersey or than Brooklyn. Like if we're going to be fair to him and I, I no slight to Steve Nash, obviously congratulations on the job. You are a deserving candidate. Just 
That's a in my eyes. To the faith. That's yeah. a whole. That's like learning how to drive your first car, but driving a semi is when you first learn how to drive as well. Too like go go. Here's your parallel parking test. Put parallel park this 18 wheeler really quickly. Like that is no easy job for a first time head coach. I want to kind of add on to what you said about coaching. It also helps when no matter how great of a player you are, sometimes you just need help getting a bucket. Just drawing up a play to get you get you a good shot. Every sometimes you just need to see the ball going. And Steve Nash did not. When Kevin was struggling, he didn't do a good job really drawing up plays, whether it's motion, off-ball movement, just anything to give Kevin a good look. Same with Kyrie. They had to go full. They basically had to go full uh, iso ball the entire time, and this is a fantastic comment from James. Imagine if KD goes, goes, goes and pulls a full dream on moving and calls LeBron in the parking lot. And You know what? I won't be surprised if they call each other simultaneously because they both ended up pretty – they had a pretty rough season here, and they're not getting any younger. Yeah, and we haven't talked about the Lakers. I'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, little bit more uh, later on, but I, I think to your point about KD, man, he's – He's such a, a aloof superstar in the fact that, like, let's be completely honest, that man doesn't care about anything but playing basketball. Like, that's all he cares about. And Kyrie, he I mean, mess with people on Twitter, though, and I can't blame him. Oh, yeah, he, he loves troll, he loves trolling trolling people on Twitter, and it's fantastic. Let's let's be honest. But as far as like the things that go into being a superstar on the court, I feel like Katie could care less. As far as like LeBron, I, I'm going to use LeBron as an example. I could honestly probably use a couple other guys in the history game, history of the game, but LeBron's playing. LeBron demands more from his teammates day in and day out. KD, you see him on the court. He's not really into his teammates. Like he doesn't get into his teammates like what you see a lot of other great superstars doing. And it's, yeah, sure. Maybe it's different, different upbringing. Maybe he's a quieter leader. But even Tim Duncan got into his teammates when they made bad plays. And KD's just like, yeah, eh, just give me the ball. We'll try to figure it out. Like, I feel like sometimes he's a little too just give me the damn ball for his own good. It is interesting seeing. I am curious to see what Ben Simmons next year will bring. See, he's getting back surgery now is what it's been reported as well, too. So there was a current back problem. It sounds like a one that's going to require surgery. So I'm curious what how that changes things going in next year as well, too, because he has you that ability to get open shots with his fantastic ability to pass the ball, push it, and run the offense, as well as defensive versatility. And well, we saw the Nets don't play defense. So, I mean, even just having what should have been a former defensive player of the year in Ben Simmons in there could make it at least a few percent better. So we will see moving forward, but I am curious to see how they all mold together. And I think if they could just drop a few, they just need to get an offensive playbook, like get a few plays that you could draw up here or there to help those guys. And I think and then play defense, obviously. Like you gotta play a little defense. You can't go along with the we are better than you and get all the way there. You had that's way too much talent to be a seventh seed and getting bounced swept in the first round. So there's yeah, and, and I'll also add it, you gotta like you gotta work with the NBA to try to try to have Kyrie not playing games while he's in the middle of his fast. Um, because that man I like look, you could tell there was a difference between the first half Kyrie and second half Kyrie in games when when he was playing games that night nighttime transition around halftime. Like there was a very clear difference of I don't have sustenance in my body versus I have sustenance in my body. And I know it's a, it's a, it's a religious thing, but there's a re- religious obligation to the NBA as well that maybe you have to take that into account and see that he is the only player that is doing this right now. And so you follow and, and you help, help that team out to make it an even battle. I know it's, it seems like a superstar rule, like an MJ rule, but it's not, it's like actually just a genuine, genuine, like, you have you you are a company in the United States. You have to respect somebody's religious beliefs, and it's kind of that kind of movement. I don't know if that's a thing, thing the NBA could do, but 
if they're ever in this situation again, I mean, like, I feel like that's a part of it as well. You have to kind of take into consideration. If they're ever in this situation again, I want to see Nick Claxton hit more than like nine of 42 for the free throw <laughs> yeah. line as well, too, with an all time worst percentage. And that, that just, if he makes like 8% more, they probably, they might even, the series might even end up being two, two. So they can figure out how yeah. to hit those free throws. That might change things on his head as well, too. But that's enough talking about the Nets as the first team swept up. There's quite a few other interesting things that played out there as well, too. We talked about the Heat advance 4 1 over the Hawks, won pretty comfortably. We saw, the Warriors do what the Warriors do, winning in five over the Nuggets. We saw the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves in a hard-fought battle, but John Morant and squad ended up proving to be a little bit too strong down the stretch, especially behind guys like Bain and Brooks and Jaron Jackson. A lot of the, the ancillary parts for a minute for them stepped up against Minnesota as well. The Sixers advancing after what looked like they're going to blow a 3-0 lead for a second there against <laughs> Toronto only cost Joel Embiid his face, basically, after getting a broken orbital bone and a concussion. So I'm going to ask you that one. We're going to pause there as they're now into the second round as well, too. What are your thoughts on the Sixers? Do you think they have a chance to beat the Heat? And what happened to James Harden? Like where he looks like the James Harden that's trying to get out of Houston that way. And that looked like he ate the other James Harden. Uh, you know, I've I've been one. I, I mentioned this when they, they did the rule, rule change last year. And I was curious to see how he he transitioned his game. Fact is, he has not transitioned his game at all to affect the new rules. He is literally doing the same things he did last year. The difference is the refs aren't calling it. They're not calling your BS leaning four feet off the ground, like four inches off the ground while, you know, faking a bump and then throwing the ball up. That's not working anymore. Like there's no more drama classes. You're not at Juilliard. You're in the middle of playing a series. Like that's, that's where you are right now. This is something you need to figure out. And James Harden, just go back to playing basketball the way you did when you came in from, came into the league. Like I don't, you don't have to go dunk on anybody. I don't need that level of crackhead energy out of you right now. I just need energy anywhere watching this man play. I feel like I'm watching a ghost of of a player literally walking on the court right now. It's It doesn't feel like the James Harden we've come to see at all at any point in time in his career. I mean, this is this is crazy to see. It's 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 like he found a cheat code to to make himself better and then like the game got patched and now he can't use the cheat code anymore. And he doesn't know what to do and instead of going back to what he did well for 25 years of his life it's kind of weird too because he was never predicated on athleticism whatsoever he's always kind of crafty and this and that sort of thing but he dropped off almost like a guy who's out who depends on athleticism and then the athleticism wanes and they drop off like that that's kind of how it feels like he dropped off as well too he just he doesn't look like himself he's up for a super max in the offseason i don't think he i no one's going to give him that the way he's playing right now nobody should at least and We'll see if maybe you can rectify it against Miami here, Miami here down the rest of the series. But especially without Joel Embiid, that's going to be tough because Miami plays hellacious defense on top of it, especially when they can just zero in on a guard, throwing throwing defenders like Oladipo at you, Jimmy Butler. Like they can throw, they can throw a lot of different type of defenders at you. It is not a, it's going to be a tough series for James Harden. If they can somehow elongate the series, maybe get Joel Embiid back, we will see because Joel Embiid was well on his way to maybe putting himself in that upper echelon of players in that top two to three, something like that. But but those injuries are killing him. He also has that torn ligament in his hand. So James Harden, uh, good luck, good luck, my friend. Even if he, even when he was playing at his best, this is a tough matchup for him as well, too. Even when he was that 60 point triple double guy in Houston, this would be a really tough matchup for him. So we'll have to see how that goes. And look, the other series that's intriguing right now, the Celtics taking on the bucks in it. This has a winner could be going to the finals real feel to it. The bucks winning game one behind Giannis. His least efficient triple-double ever, maybe. I mean, 27, 14, <laughs> yeah. and 12 or something like that. Shot like 9 of 20, had a rough night shooting, but still affected the game so well with how he's able to dish the ball and become Giannis the distributor. 
and the defensive mechanism. Then in game two, well, it was Giannis still kind of had his with a rough shooting night, but the shoot, rough shooting also followed with Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, and squad, and the Celtics blew them out. So we have ourselves a tied-up series now. And Kelsey, I'm going to go throw this one to you. When I look at this series, I mentioned it when we were watching it. Giannis needs to be a distributor this series because they were not going to—they were going to build the wall. Game game two, Yudoka said, "You know what? Go ahead and charge in there. We'll hope maybe one of our guys could slow you up, but uh, we're not letting Drew Holiday get off again. We're not letting Bobby Portis get off. Grayson Allen, you will not get." They decided to go with what they used to do with LeBron's Cavs. It's like, you can eat a little bit, but eventually you're going to miss some of these tough layups and you're not going to get anyone else involved. You're going to have to strop 60 on us. And I'm curious if that's something they're going to employ going forward. What are your thoughts on the Celtics adjusted game plan? It's look, it's a, it's a decent game plan. I, I, it's probably the smartest game plan, but my question more is Giannis, where'd your layup go? I, I mean, like, I feel like his layup in the last two games we've seen just, it's not hitting at the same, like, He's getting the basket the same exact way as he's been getting the basket his entire career. It's that spin move in the paint goes leans literally right by somebody because he's so long and just flicks it up off the backboard. And instead of it falling, it's just it's bouncing and clanking off the rim. And I need a left hand from this man. Uh, if he had a left hand, I would not be worried one bit about this defensive move, defensive plan. But the fact is, he doesn't have a left hand. His mid range, he's reluctantly shooting a mid range game right now, and. While he's still hitting it at a pretty good clip, he just doesn't shoot it enough for me to be like, oh, well, that's a concern. Like, it's actually a really smart game plan. Just, yeah, we'll let you get your 30. We'll let you get your 10 boards. But you know what you're not going to get is 10 assists. That's just not going to happen. And he is one of the better passing big men when he, when he's when he's moving his feet in the paint because he can see a lot of the, the guys cutting and things to the basket. And one of the things he takes advantage of is, is that dish to Brooke Lopez right over the top of everybody that – if he could put a floater at the basket would look exactly like the floater, but he doesn't do a floater. So it just goes right to Brooke Lopez. Um, but that's one thing that he doesn't have the ability to do right here either as well. So it is, a, it is an advantage um, for the Celtics to be able to kind of cut things off, but I don't know. I think Giannis is still such a great player that he's going to figure out a way. I think if he just had a little bit of a floater where you just kind of pick up, pick up the ball really high and flick it, just like hold it up and just flick it over the top. Like instead of having to bulldoze into the paint, just get inside the free throw line, like that Euro step, stop and flick it up. Kind of like a Chris Paul floater, a Tony Paul, Tony Parker floater when they got in the paint off of a Euro step, something like that. Just so he doesn't have to crash into it. Cause you mentioned the layup package is struggling a little bit. Cause when he does get to the rim, there's a Robert Williams there. There's Al Horford, even in vicinity, like there's big trees in the way this time too. So he's, pushing the ball if that makes sense instead of kissing off the glass he's throwing it off the glass because he's yeah. trying to force it up there and not get packed so it's it's rough and this is where they re- this is the one series that, that i think they really could use a chris middleton to just take a smidge of heat off of him not a lot of heat just a little bit just so when he gets in the paint he could drop it two feet to a baseline chris middleton jumper something like that just to just to pull people away who could create their own shot a little bit so it's gonna be a tough series i could see it easily going six seven and Game three, I think, is going to be really, really important, especially for the Bucs to try and bounce back with that first home game. And I'd be surprised if Giannis doesn't show up to play for that one. I mean, he may not be as efficient. It may be another, like, 11 of 24 type of thing like that, but I got to imagine he's going to show up in this game and try and br- try and go for that 30, 10, and t- 10, and 10 type of game. I think he's going to bring it full steam in, in game three because he's going to have to. Absolutely. Now, that does bring me to this question, DJ. Giannis, if he can pull this one out, even if he doesn't pull this one out, is he the best player in the world right now in your eyes? I think he made a really strong case for that in game six of the finals last year when he dropped a nice casual 50 piece to close things out. And he went 17 of 19 from the free throw line and bullied DeAndre Aiden, who people forget is 280 pounds, a seven foot one or whatever it is, or 290 pounds. He's a 
you does you should not be bullying that man, but he still did yeah. in the paint. So, my opinion right now, Giannis is the best player in the world because who else is getting who who else do you put above him? Maybe Kevin Durant, who's right there, but Kevin Durant, everything that Giannis is struggling with right now, Kevin struggled worth with, worse with just a week ago. It could be the Celtics defense is that good. We we don't really know yet. Maybe it is that good, and it makes all of these guys struggle. We will find out as this goes along. Kevin Durant's right there. The separates for me is Giannis could play a, is a little bit better of a passer. I think he affect he's a better distributor. And I think he's a better defender, especially in the paint as well. So that's the deciding factor for me. I just don't know who else you could put as the best player in the world. You can't put LeBron right now. It's yeah. hard to put Kevin up there. Joel Embiid maybe was making a strong case before his face got broken. Jokic is really, really nice. No one's going to take anything away from Jokic, but I don't think you could put him up there right now as well, too. Like, he does a great job, but at the same time, like, doesn't translate to major winning at this point as well, too. I mean, nearly he was like one or two shots away from getting swept in back-to-back years. Like, that's... Yeah. Devin Booker's fantastic, but I don't know if he. I just don't know who else you put up there right now. That's kind of where I mean. I, I, I know the the big question right now on everybody's mind is what about John Morant? Yeah, like let's take it easy with that. Let's, let's <laughs> everybody that everybody has. seems to be loving the John Morant train right now. Obviously, me and you are on a different page here uh, because amazing. John Morant is fantastic. Let's, but yeah, let's, let's, but there's a but like there's there's levels to this. John Morant's like like here, but like there's like LeBron is still kind of here. Katie's here. Uh, Joel Embiid, I'd say before face injury is like right here, and then there's Giannis. Like he's just on another level right now. And I've said it. I've I, I've honestly said it since when he won the won the title. I think I think we might be looking at the future goat if he stays healthy and he continue, continues this career path. I don't see why Giannis will not become the greatest of all time. He does have to work on some of those simple things like free throws, get a mid-range. He does have things to round out his game. He's got to get a left hand. But he's still so yeah. dominant with all of these faults we could point out with him. And he's still so absolutely dominant, which is why he's so young. He's so young, too. Like, what, 26, 27? Like, he's yeah. got plenty of time left. And the way he plays, he's not fully dependent on athleticism. He's dependent on length. And you don't lose arm length until you're, like, in your 80s or something like that, 70s. Like, you don't really <laughs> get shorter and lose length. So I think, think he'll be okay for a while. He'll adapt his game as it goes. I do want to say this is no that's not a slight to John Morant. He has ascended quickly into a top 10 player in this game. Problem is Giannis is competing for like what well, is in that one two category. John Morant's still competing in that 10 in that eleven through nine-ish category, which is 22 years old. He's fine. He's got plenty of time. He, he's but, he's exactly where Giannis was at 22. Exactly. The only concern is John Morant's so athletic and hangs in the air for so long. He might and this might be his peak at like 22, 23 as opposed to 28, 29. We'll have to wait and see, obviously. Knock on wood, he stays healthy. But right now he's in that top 10 player. I think we're pretty set on that one as well, too. Giannis is a he's just competing at that one to two range as well, too. But right now, if you had to tell me to pick a player to start my team with, I'm going to I'm picking Giannis as well, too, because you could build around him so easily as well. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, Chris Middleton, I think there are who knows what the story is right now. And I know that's Chris Milton's a third scorer on most other championship teams, but for this team, he's 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 Robin to the Batman. He he provides he, he he's the perfect uh yeah, Robin to the Batman. Honestly, he's the perfect perfect sidekick for for Giannis right now. Um it's safe to say. But now I do have to go to another Batman, if you will. Maybe the OG Batman in a lot of ways. Uh LeBron and the Lakers. And this is gonna be the last question we talk about with the NBA playoffs. I, I, what do we do with the Lakers now? Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs. How if you're LeBron? I mean, are you just playing to pass to, to get the scoring title and play with your son? Is that is that all that's left on your docket, or like what is what is happening with Lakers and and LeBron especially? 
Well, that's what the eye test tells me. Whenever I watch any of their games, that is all that really matters. You notice how they still have a head coaching opening right now as well, too. Phil Jackson reportedly is getting involved in it as well, too. And him and LeBron aren't exactly bros from all from all things considered as well, too. So I am really intrigued what is going on. It feels like it's a weird – it almost feels like a combination of a power struggle as well as an identity crisis because, like, you traded away everything to get Anthony Davis to make LeBron happy and to go on that title run that happened in the bubble. But everything after that's been kind of a mess. The Russell Westbrook thing was yeah. a catastrophe, which we kind of knew that was going to happen, honestly, as well, too, especially when injuries crept in. <laughs> you don't have any real assets to go get anything besides LeBron and Anthony, really. I mean, there's word that Zach Levine might be interested in, the, in going to the Lakers this offseason. I mean, that'd be great. That's a fun fit as well, too, because he could actually provide all of the athleticism of Russell, but a little bit of shooting, too. So that's an interesting fit. But, like, you don't even have a coach right now. I don't even, I don't even know where to go from there. We don't even know what... It's are you going to get LeBron trying to win, or are you going to get kind of like last year's LeBron, who I'm not saying he wasn't trying to win, but he also had the ulterior motives were a little bit more obvious. If that makes sense, that, that's yeah. this isn't the 2018 LeBron that we saw taking over, or the 2016 finals, or like the Miami, like it, those ones that are clearly done. And I think everyone has to kind of work around that as well. And that's and Anthony Davis has to play more than 18 games. Like I've seen him more wearing street clothes than a Lakers jersey at this point as well, too. So I, him and Ben Simmons are rivaling each other for best looks on the sideline. And that that's a fair point as well, too. Like, that's why I think there's just there's too many questions. I don't even know what to think about them right now. We haven't even got through the second round of this playoff. So we'll see once they get a coach. Then maybe we could work our way forward with what's happening with that. But they, there's a lot going on there, which is weird when they still have two top 10 players in the game on top of it. All things considered, you still have two top 10 players to work with. Let me ask you this, then, since you mentioned the coach. Is there a coach that can handle LeBron? Or is LeBron even coachable at this point in time in his career? I don't know what happens like in practice and stuff like that. So I'm not going to assume he's not coachable or anything like that. But that's a when you see on game days how demonstrative he can be, as you mentioned earlier as well. So you need somebody able to handle that. And I think Ty Lue, when he was able to handle that when he, in Cleveland, he, David Blatt was kind of a little more laid back. It was he didn't have that go, you know what yourself if you get in my face type of attitude. So you almost need somebody who could do that while having a level of respect. I don't know. I just don't know who the fit is, honestly. I I really don't. Can you pull Eric Spolster? Maybe like that'd be that'd be kind of funny, considering he tried to get Eric Spolster fired back in the day, and look where Eric Spolster's at now. So that'd be hilarious. But I I really don't know who the good who the good is. Maybe coax Brad Stevens into leaving the front office of the Celtics, but I don't know why he'd do that either. I mean, that's a pretty cushy job right there. But there's a yeah. I just don't know who the answer is off the top of my head. I mean, they're looking at a Bucks assistant. They're looking at some guys, but. It's tough. It's it's really tough because I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at the same time. I feel like you almost have to be able to mentally destroy LeBron in basketball IQ. And I don't know if anybody – and of all the things that we complain about LeBron, kind of looking lazy and things on the sideline, being demonstrative, the one thing that's always been there is his basketball IQ is like – it is way above a lot of players in a freaky dimension. Probably and I don't know if there's a lot of coaches. For the 18th year in a row. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if there's a lot of coaches in the game that have that level of, of mental acuity now. I mean, I, to be fair, basketball's been kind of boiled down into a lot of simplicities. I mean, it's, all right, you get that athletic guy, you get to you get to promote yourself as a coach for a very long time. And, you know, that's how a lot of guys get sh- shot through the ranks and then they get into the NBA and you're like, oh, crap. But then, you know, you have a few guys, obviously, who do have the mental IQ. Just, I don't know if anybody has the one, the ability – or the where or the will to sit there and battle with LeBron night in and night out mentally. I think that's a part of it. You know what's weird is when I look at it, is LeBron with his big body, with the exception of those couple years in Miami, he's always should have been playing more down in the paint, down in the post with his skill set, his build, everything like that. 
And then Anthony Davis with his build, his strength, we always want him to play down on the block as a center, but he wants to play power forward. LeBron wants to play like small forward wing when he should be. It's kind of wrong. You have two players who are still so outstanding, top 75 all-time players, but they don't quite, they're not necessarily used to their strength threat. They don't like to play to their strengths as well too. And yet they're still fantastic. It's kind of weird how that played out, but I think for them to be the most successful, they need a wing player that can get their own shot while getting others involved. Bradley Beal showed up. That would change things completely, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like you need somebody like that, that just the way that today's NBA game is played, but Till they get a coach, I don't know what to think of them. And I'm, you know what? They're back of my, back ahead, back of mind. I'm gonna just gonna enjoy these playoffs because they're getting real yeah. right now as well too. Absolutely, like we cannot wait for the rest of the playoffs. Obviously, uh, the Heat tonight, by the way, putting it on the Sixers um, mm-hmm. as that one's getting closed out. So they're gonna head up to a 2-0 lead as well on that. Before we get out of here, though, I gotta ask you. Right now, we're looking at these teams left. Who's your Who's your finals prediction? Man, it's tough. Uh, I I still think the Bucks pull it off just because I think Giannis is too much. Although I gotta say the Celtics are deadly, um, but I think the Bucks pull it off in, in the East, and and they make it in the East. Uh, in the West, ah, man, the West is so hard. Honestly, I, <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna say the Suns again. Just okay. I don't so we, know got why. A re- we got a rematch coming, is what you're saying as well. Yeah, I, why not? I just, you know what? Low hanging fruit is what I do best. You know what? I'm gonna stick with my preseason pick of the Heat coming out of the East for the West. I'm going to say the Warriors find a way to pull this one out. I think they're going to get by Grizzlies, and I think that is a lot of veteran leadership and a lot of ridiculous shooting and a lot of athleticism. I think they find a way to get out of the West. Weather doesn't really even matter if they play the Suns or or whatnot as well, too. I think – give me the Warriors coming out of the West. So I think we're going to see Warriors in the Heat, an interesting – a matchup that was almost a year away from happening if LeBron was stayed for the Heat one more year. Yeah, absolutely. Now, DJ, we're not going to really have much time to go through this at the end here, but there is a UFC fight coming up soon. And I know you didn't want to talk about it shortly, but real quickly, give us the the bullet point punchline, if you will, for this UFC coming up. Well, luckily, that is kind of my specialty is quick is quick bullet points that type of thing too. So UFC 274 coming up this weekend: Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje, two of the best lightweights in the world. Look for Charles Oliveira going head to head with the an absolute banger, and Charles Oliveira, one of the cleanest technicians. Just gonna go for quick bets. Give me Oliveira by submission. I'm gonna say he pulls that one out. I think he. Does. I don't know how he does it, but he does away because he he's a zombie. Look in the co-main event. Look for Rose to beat Carlos Barza. Get it in the rematch. And then the other fun fight: Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Give me Tony Ferguson res- resurrecting his career with an absolute banger against Michael Chandler. A fight he has no business winning, but he finds a way to do it just to elongate that career one more fight and maybe one more fight as a top ten caliber fighter. So I can't wait. It's a very deep and fun card. Action pack. Hey you. I was like, you heard it here. DJ's abbreviated best bets for UFC 274 right there. So, I, I you know, I love it as, as always, DJ. Um, as always, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you guys later on our brand new time at 9 p.m. every Wednesday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. 
Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.